Hey everybody, welcome back to Up The Vibe, and today I'm joined by Walter Rucker, Paul Hamden and Cyan to discuss their extensive contact with the Zetas. Hi Paul and Cyan. G'day, how are you? I'm very good, thank you. And hi Walter, Paul and Cyan, I wonder if you could start by introducing yourself and uh, talk a little bit more about how this, this contact developed. Uh, my contact started probably when I was about uh, 18 months old. The, the Zetas used to come into the room uh, when I was five. Um, I was found outside of a locked house, um, laying on the lawn. I, I had basically been on crafts and put back down into the front yard. Uh, it was really late at night. Uh, it just became a normal contact situation, I guess, that most people would class as abduction or something. But uh, when um, I was 18, a craft came and myself and three friends uh, we saw the craft about, I don't know, maybe 10 metres away. And the, the Zetas, they made the side of the craft clear and we could see them and they could see us. Uh, then when I was about 28, they came and uh, we had a bit of a, a tussle in regards to uh, being taken. And uh, they did, we sort of, we had a chat afterwards and I just said, I'm not doing this anymore. Basically, if you want, you know, contact, do it properly, don't don't play those games. Uh, when I was about, um, I don't know, 50, we were able to talk the Zetas into bringing a craft. And so they uh, landed a craft in Malaysia and I had 20 people with me when it landed and the Zetas came out and walked around. Uh, so this is obviously the condensed version. Yeah. And um, yeah, we have craft all the time come and not just ones that are sort of flashes in the sky or anything, but um, ones that we know are there and that we can uh, record if we want, but we don't film, but we can record audio if we want to. So yeah, we have a lot of contact and the Zetas have healed a lot of people. I mean, just so many people as well mm -hmm. through the contact that we've had, so. And where did you grow up? Where did I grow up? Yeah. Queensland. In Queensland, okay, yeah. And, and Cyan? Um, where do you start? Um, I've, I guess I've had, uh, I have conscious recollection of contact with the Betas, uh, beings I came to know as the Zetas um, from four, four and a half years old. Um, I first remember them uh, creating a situation whereby they brought me a small boy uh, to play with, which sounds very strange, uh, in, in my lounge where I was living. Um, there was no reasonable excuse for the boy to be there. And I recall them standing around observing us play in a very natural play environment, um, except we were surrounded by a group of, I don't know how tall they were. When you were in four, everybody looks massive, but at least five foot tall, um, Zeta beings, just watching. Um, I've had numerous contacts with them over the years, to list them all would be here for hours. Um, various procedures taking place, uh, contact on craft, being taken on craft, um, then being in, my, in the room with me, being taken out of the room by them. None of it's through, none of it's through hypnosis, it's all memory. Uh, I, can, I don't need any hypnosis to recall what's going on. Um, now I work as a medium and have done for a long time. The beings that work with us 
talk through me a little and obviously they've been doing that before for a long time as well which is great because now we can get some answers as to some of the experiences we had as children and how did you two meet each other on craft <laughs> really okay <laughs> <laughs> so we met when we were both eight years old at the same time at the same time <laughs> okay and did you know uh the i guess when you met not outside the craft did you know that the craft is where you met or did you kind of work that out after no we didn't we didn't know initially uh, <laughs> i i as i said i was sitting as a medium and developing the spirit connection and physical mediumship and my the people i sat with weekly began to say they were seeing a, the being from communion transfigured over my face i didn't even know what that was i had my but I wasn't interested in, in, in anything like that. So I didn't know what they were talking about. I ignored them for months. And then at some point, I, I decided to look it up because I kept insisting what they were seeing was happening. And when I looked it up, I saw no union face, obviously, no communion. Um, at that point, I decided I needed to find out what's going on. And I went onto a, a website called uh, PM4U, which was hosted by a man called Robin Foy, who was involved in the skull experiments. And on that website, Forum, the chat forum I found Paul, who was um, running a discussion group about extraterrestrial contact in uh, physical mediumship circles. Mm-hmm. And so we started talking, that was I don't know, 15 years ago or so. When I first got to that website, I saw a picture of Paul and I uh, instantly recognized him without recognizing him, which is, sounds very strange. But you know, when you walk past someone, you go, I'm sure I know that person. Yeah. It, it was like that kind of a reaction. Okay. It was like, I know that person. I need to talk to that person. I don't know why I need to talk to that person. Mm-hmm. And I don't know how I know them, but I just have to. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's what I did. <laughs> yeah. And did you have the same, Paul? Did you say, I know that person? No, not at all. So, <laughs> um, interesting isn't it how it all works screen memories work differently for everybody so um this is quite a complicated conversation i keep saying this to everybody you know we have to condense all this information to very short blocks it doesn't really work in regards to sort of communicating effectively but with the um with the zetas uh depends on the relationship with the zetas it depends on the type of screen memory you have it depends on what you're meant to remember as well. Um, you, you've got to understand, because we're both mediums and uh, I've been training with Bazitas for many years, I don't know how many years now, <clears throat> because when they come through, they can actually be seen over the top of me as I am. They become themselves when they're talking to us. And so they, they then bring with them their abilities as well. Mm-hmm their abilities are known to the the people that are sitting in the room. The room shifts, the energy shifts in the room, uh, and they're able to perform certain functions, like create synthetic quantum environments that do lots of different things. And so when we say, did I know Cyan? Yeah, I guess on some level I would have known her, but I didn't know her consciously. That's the difference. Mm -hmm. Um, It was only once we started talking and I started, you know, getting some of the screen memory stuff drop away. I thought, 
this is a really interesting process. I went and spoke to the Zetas about it. And they said, yeah, look, this is what's happened. And they explained it to us what happened. It was pretty interesting because there's an age difference. And for both of us to be on craft at eight years old, obviously, there's got to be some level of time compression taking place. Okay, yeah. And uh, when um, all these events happening, when you said growing up, when these, these contacts were happening, was any of that, do you think, initiated by you, whether consciously, subconsciously, or was it all kind of random in a way? No, look, so humans uh, in the past were, were contacted um, and had, um, you know, cell, cellular matter taken like, a, you know, the scoop marks, yeah. uh, because the consciousness of uh, the hybrid mind, which is the spirit mind and the ET mind coming together, requires that the physical form actually be vibrating at a correct frequency for the cellular consciousness, cellular consciousness and the consciousness to be mapped correctly together. And so this is why a lot of hybrids and people that have taken uh, have scoop marks because in the past, they were looking to try to work out what was the potential for uh, races to actually acclimate with human society. Mm -hmm. yeah. So I didn't, um, I, I didn't instigate anything. I, I, I actually didn't want to instigate anything. I never wanted anything to do with extraterrestrials. Anytime they came near me, I told them to go away. I'm probably the only person on the planet that doesn't like or didn't like extraterrestrials at all. <laughs> Every time they came to me, I just told them to leave. I wasn't interested in anything that they had to say. If extraterrestrials uh, tried to do anything, I would just turn and walk away. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it took a hell of a lot of convincing for them to work with me because I just had wanted nothing to do with them. So, but there's there's probably some people listening right now who are very eager to meet the ETs and and mm. they're probably having no contact or they feel like they're having no contact and then they hear that someone is saying, go away, leave me alone, and they're getting all, a lot of contact. So do you think there's any rhyme or reason to that? Is well, what I've found is, is that um, races contact their own. So that's the first thing. So about 30% of the planet are hybrid star children, indigo, whatever you want to call them. You know, they're just human names. And those people are being contacted for various reasons. Cyan and I, we work in, we counsel contactees, abductees, experiences. We help them resolve their point of origin, all these sorts of things. And generally, we haven't come across anybody yet that um, hasn't had some level of uh, hybrid consciousness with them. Uh, this is the big difference. So a lot of the people that are sort of saying, oh, I want contact, I want contact. Who, who do you want to contact? This mm -hmm. is the thing. You'll find that generally people that are being contacted know specifically there's one primary race that's contacting them and a few other minor races. So if I said to you, well, who do you want to contact you? you if you're not a hybrid, you're going to go, I don't know, anybody maybe? Then that's <laughs> yeah. not going to work. So is, is it a little bit of knowledge or some sort of self-intuition that's maybe needed as well it's as this hybridization side of things? It's definitely, um, I would suggest also that a lot of people that are being abducted don't want to be abducted as well. That's, you know, like their, their perception of abduction. Mm -hmm. Like taking your children to the doctor for a needle. The kids don't want the needle. End of story. 
you know, if they think you're the worst person in the world, or the doctor's the worst person in the world. Um, look, you know, Joe, in the end, there'll be contact when the races believe that humans are ready. Now, look at the current situation on the planet and then ask yourself, if you're an extraterrestrial, would you want to make contact? With myself or in general? <laughs> Just in general, you know, like yeah. with the planet, you know, yeah the these, are, these are good questions yeah um yeah definitely it's something to ponder in terms of uh whether you'd be considered as a friend or foe you know and all these things yeah and it must be maybe even with all the technology still quite daunting to uh, be in that situation where you know the reaction might have effects that you know <laughs> well humans have the potential to seek saviors that's the problem Anybody that they have a perception that has more technology, more knowledge, more consciousness, they look up to, i.e., everybody, most people worship something, right? Mm -hmm. And so, of course, these leaders have said to us, the issue that they have is that they believe that uh, when ET actually dispose themselves to the human race, that many humans will want to create a new religion. They don't want that. They don't even mm -hmm. want to even be seen yeah. in that light in any way. Yeah. Kind of goes back to, from what I can understand, the days of, of Christ and his message was, no, don't look at me, look at me as the saviour and as someone special, I'm one with you. And and um, so what did the Romans do? They they crucified him and then created a religion around it. <laughs> Just there to piss him off, yeah. There <laughs> yeah. you go, look through history, look, look, look at uh, the behaviour of humans. And if you're an extraterrestrial and you're reading the history of the planet, it's very violent. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's, uh, it's something that we're, we're growing out of, I think, <laughs> and I moving so. towards. Yeah, yeah. And uh, do you have um, family connections? So brothers, sisters, maybe parents who are also connected to the same Zetas? Uh, generally with people, they are generational contacts. Um, but I would suggest that um, because of the type of screen memory technology that's used, that they've probably got class A screen memories. And class A means that they have no ability to be able to remember the, uh, the memories of contact. Other people have class C. And class C are the ones that have got the little biometric timers on them. And at a certain point in time, the screen memory drops and the person remembers generally around the age of 40. So. Okay. Well, we'll see. I'm, I'm coming up to 40 myself, so I'll let you know. <laughs> I've spoken to a lot of people that have said, oh, no, I've never been taken. I've said, oh, that's all right. Um, tell me your life story. And they'll start telling me their story. And I'll just sit there and go, you know, tick, 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 tick. And in the end, I go, and so you're telling me that you've never been taken and never had contact. And I go, that's right. And I say, lovely to meet you. That was wonderful. And I walk away, I think, Class A screen memories. And I don't say it about everybody, believe me, I just don't. It's more about knowing what, what are the signs and not symptoms, what are the signs that someone's been taken yeah. or had contact and they don't even recognise them themselves. Well, what, when you talk about screen memories, can you expand on that a little bit? Yeah. So screen memories are given, I'll give you, and I will go through the categories now because it's mm. not really uh, intuitive for anybody. Uh, so class A memories are the ones that you're given where you 
can't remember that you've been taken, i.e. you were driving down the road, next thing you know, you're back in your car, you're about 50 miles away, and uh, you've been gone for six hours or something, you know. Yeah. That, that's class A, you just got no idea what's going on. Class B is you're flying a UFO or a UAP, and uh, they're teaching you how to fly the UAP, and you're having a great time, and uh, that's what really is taking place is something else. So something else is happening to you, but you're flying a UFO or having a coffee with aliens. You know, it's, it's, yeah. That's a screen memory. C is when uh, you're possibly contacted or taken, floated out of bed, put up on the craft. Uh, don't really remember anything. You, you just feel like, you, you know, had, in the morning you've been hit by a bus. And then over the days, weeks or months or years, you start to get small bleed-throughs of consciousness. Mm -hmm. And those Class C one, screen memory technologies are designed to fail. Uh, as you become more mature consciously, you know, everything, uh, what happens is the, the, the memory drops down, down so that you can take it. Screen memories are only given to humans to provide uh, your local mind or your construct uh, stability. And it's classed as what's called scaffolding. Okay. And when you say class C, is that something that's uh, more uh, physical in nature? You actually, your physical body is part of it, or is that the same for all of them? Or is some of it more it's astral? It's the same for all of them. It's, okay. the same. It's, all, it's all consciousness. This is the thing. Uh, you've got an etheric body. Your etheric body uh, is, a, is a mirror image or a mapping of the physical body. And of course, these days, the technology is able to be placed into the etheric body. Uh, and the etheric body is able to hold the technology correctly as well. That's why it's, that's why they need to do the mapping yeah. from when you're born all the way through, so that when they need to apply something to your etheric body and your consciousness, they already know at what frequency they need to place it in that. Okay. And what would you say astral travel and out of body experiences are within that mapping? Are they? They're not. They're yeah, not. That, okay. I've just finished writing a study guide on astral travel. And uh, it's for beginners. And I've actually traveled a lot myself. And I started actually traveling when I was five, which was great. And loved to walk around, had no fear, didn't care about anything. As a kid, used to go through walls and everything. It's great. Astral traveling is zero, nothing to do with screen memories. Astral travel okay. is about your consciousness leaving your body and just cruising around. And the same for out of body experiences and near death yeah, experiences OBEs, as well. Yeah. 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 Fascinating. <laughs> and um, in terms of trying to um, give evidence for people that might be listening that are quite skeptical of this, what, what kind of, um, I've, I've heard you before talking about trying to provide evidence, and I'm sure it's very difficult to provide evidence, and actually possibly impossible with some people, because it's not just about providing, it's also about receiving, and not everyone's ready to receive, I imagine. Um, but what would you say if someone said, can you provide the evidence? Uh, do you want to answer that question? Oh, okay. Uh, so the thing is with evidence, is evidence <laughs> for specific people. It, 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 if there was, okay, here's the question back to you. Mm -hmm. We know that certain government organisations have the evidence. Why aren't they providing it to the public? Mm -hmm. They've already got it. Why don't yeah. they just give it? Well, so if I'm, <laughs> if I'm getting evidence and I've got evidence and so is a million other people, multiple millions of people have evidence in various forms, could be 
things like um, marks that you've been given, could be photographs that you've taken of those marks, it could be um, uh, footage, audio recordings. Why? Why would you even bother to put yourself out there with the information when we've got CGI, Photoshop, people that troll the internet, we've got all the keyboard warriors. Mm -hmm. It doesn't matter what you put out there, someone's going to go, that's all rubbish. Yeah. No, that's, okay. that's, that's sort of my thoughts as well. And I was thinking about this when I was thinking about the question is that if someone said, right, Paul, please uh, predict something in the future. Tell me, you know, get some information. Um, by saying what the prediction is, you're almost going to change the timeline, change the future that kind of affects it. So it's kind of, yeah. Yeah. So there is the possibility to do predictions. Mediums can do mediums can do predictions. I don't need ET contact to do a prediction. Mm -hmm. Spirits can actually do predictions as well. Yeah. It's more about what is evidence. To me, evidence is you look at a wide range of people that have been unwell, like Kathleen Martin. I'm not sure if you've seen that interview where she states that she was healed of being unwell after 22 years by diseases. I'm not, actually, not familiar with that, if you want to expand on oh, that. Okay, well, yeah. there you go. She's the ex-international director, director of MUFON that stated that. Mm -hmm. uh, we've got other people that uh, have been cleared of specific entities uh, by the Zetas, which are the reptilian uh, beings. We've got other many, many, many people that have been healed by the Zetas that uh, actually have got uh, medical documentation for themselves. If you look in the primer of the Zeta race, which is a free uh, download PDF, there's evidence in there as well. But at some point, I just give up giving evidence. I'm not interested in giving evidence. Mm -hmm. My yeah. relationship with the Zetas is what matters. Science relationship is what matters. Not saying to the public, look, here's another 10 people that were healed. Because after a while, you just give up. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But there's a, there are probably people that are out there thinking, I need to experience this or see something to believe it. And, but, you know, you and I don't blame them. Yeah. I actually don't blame them at all. But if you want some evidence, read the primer of the Zeta race. It's written by a scientist. There's testimonials on the website as well. There's yeah. All, yeah, there you go. There's all testimonials on our website about the healings they've got from the Zetas. One of them was written by a retired um, government scientist in Canada. So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and a lot of people um, think that to to get to the point where they're able to make contact, they feel that they have to do a lot of inner work, a lot of shadow work, um, work on their, um, on just well, mending a lot of their issues in their lives and things. Uh, but imagine given how early, uh, how young you were when you had this contact, you hadn't had a time to do all this. So do you think, have you been doing that as you've gone through and found more contact? Has that been a part of the life, the sort of shadow work side of things or? Uh, we, do a lot of, we do a lot of shamanic work, obviously, we've got, we work with shamanic spirits. Mm -hmm. um, so we don't just work with extraterrestrials, but yeah. we work with a wide range of beings. And, uh, the thing is, is um, shadow work. I think that everybody does some level of introspection, yeah. uh, some level of uh, wondering why, all these sorts of things. Uh, do the races actually care if you do or don't? Well, look at what happens. Millions of people, if, if that's true in regards to the numbers, 
are abducted. I don't believe any of those people were sitting there, you know, chanting Om <laughs> and were suddenly taken because they were doing that. They were just taken because that was the, the point in time that they were meant to be taken. Okay. It's the people that don't have any contact that are going, you know, I think I, I, I should do, if I'm going to do C5, I need to meditate, be clear, provide stillness. And of course, yes, it does. It helps. It supports you and your consciousness into clarity, into that state of stillness where you're able to perform the C5 protocol. And yes, it does work. But mm-hmm. the thing is, you've got to ask yourself, what, what is your mind like? When you are still, what is stillness within your own mind? Would a being want to heterodyne with you? Heterodyne means like binaural beats to have one frequency, say extraterrestrial, you're the other frequency. Do they want to find a point of contact with you? And it doesn't matter how much work you do. If your mind is uh, not clear or all over the place, a being is not going to want to come. On the other side of the coin, we want to talk about some other negative entities. They'll definitely come and they'll come anytime that you want them to come and they'll pretend to be beings that they're not and they'll give people a lot of problems. So people need to be aware that the first thing that someone should be doing is trying to evidence their own contact with any being, even a spirit person, as to who that being actually is. Mm-hmm. Because we're seeing a lot of people at the moment that are being told to get implants by by beings. We're saying don't do it. (laughs) No. How did you find out or how did you uh, discern that the beings that you were in contact with were benevolent? So what I said said to the Zetas, tell me five things that you're going to do in the next 12 months. And I wrote it all down. And they did every single one of them. And I don't mean like, I, you know, I'll find a feather of the driveway. I mean, like, bring a craft and land it. Mm-hmm. Okay. So a bucket because list. Because I said to yeah. them, I'm just not going to work with you if you don't give me evidence. And did you suspect that maybe they were maybe trying to lure you in, gain your trust before, you know, doing some nefarious activity, which I think could happen, but I imagine not with you. But did, was that something that crossed yeah. your mind? No, absolutely. And so uh, I remember... Um, when they first came and said, you know, we'd like to work with you. I just said, go away. And for six weeks, they came nearly every second day. I said, listen, there's plenty of other people to annoy on the planet. Go and annoy them. I'm not interested. They would show themselves to me. They would be a few as distortions. I'd have spirit people next to me trying to talk to me. And then an ET would turn up. And I said, you know, I just don't want to work with you guys. I'm just not interested. All right. Mm-hmm. And I think that they realised that because I was so sceptical, I think that my middle name should be Sceptic, because they know that I'm so sceptical, then in the end they thought, we actually will work with this person because they're going to evidence, evidence, evidence to themselves what a contact is. And that's why in New South Wales, the craft actually landed and the beings came out because they told us they were coming. We knew that that was the day that they were coming and that we had gained enough evidence, enough trust with each other that when they said they were going to do something, they actually did it. What, when you say you're, you were sceptical, what, what do you mean by that? Because I imagine you weren't sceptical that they existed, but you were sceptical of other things. Oh, no, you know, I was never sceptical that ET yeah. existed. Yeah. I was sceptical about motives. Okay, right. Yeah. yeah. And, and so the contract is between myself and, and the races is the minute you do anything wrong, anything, it's all over. 
okay both ways i imagine yeah yeah oh, absolutely yeah okay and um so I, I, we might turn on to uh the the uh, talking a bit more about the healing side of things um uh, what what type of things have the zetas done regarding healings can you you know you talked about kathy martin but have you got lots of lots of stories <laughs> i'm just trying to there's been so much yeah. <laughs> uh well seeing as i mentioned it earlier we have a testimonial on the website um i retired ex-government scientist he wrote a paper about how somebody that he knew received an etheric ear from the um the zetas the person who had this healing uh, had no ability to hear in one ear <laughs> right okay um no ability at all and this the zetas um basically worked to create essentially an etheric implant or an etheric ear that was connected to her auditory system so she can actually hear through that ear now that was done in i don't know 2015 the ear is still working now um the ear is tested every year and uh, if, you, if you go to that testimonial on the website, that's all laid out and presented with uh, all the graphics from the auditory experiments that they used. Mm. We, we've had other healings where they've um, essentially created a, a surg surgical environment, if you like. Um, we've had two people at a time come and lay on healing couches we go into trance to facilitate the Zetas to work. They come in with their technology uh, in an etheric sense, in an energetic sense, although it can still be seen by the physical eye as well as the third eye, if you like. And people have been, well, they've been able to get up off the table and do a 5K run where they've not been able to do that for 15, 20 years and we're on the point of having surgery on their back or they've had um, a, a large skin cancer removed uh, where they were about to have it literally removed the following day with a medical appointment. Yeah, and also you've got people like Kathleen Martin who was unwell for 22 years, well-known globally uh, as Betty and Barney Hill's niece, mm -hmm. states that she was healed by the Zetas. I mean, it, to me, it, it's, it's all documented, it's all there. People just need to do some research. Yeah. Uh, they need to watch some of the videos on our YouTube channel uh, and they can see that there's evidence there. Now, at some point, either a person will totally reject what they're saying or they'll just say, you know, look, there's something going on around this too. We don't know what it is. We're okay with that because we get contact all the time with, with the Zetas and with other races. Mm -hmm. Not so much these days with a lot of other races, but more about it's because we evidence it's like you go to a medium and you say, the medium says to you, look, I've got your grandmother with you. And you go, well, okay, tell me some stuff that my grandmother used to do with me, you know? And so you're going to try to evidence the information the medium gives you about the spirit person. That's common sense. And so the extraterrestrials expect that rather than people just channeling and saying, you know, I'm talking to a being from the ninth dimension or whatever dimension, and there's absolutely no evidence in regards to that or saying that they're working with beings, but all you're being only ever contacted in your dream states and you've got no way to evidence that information. Mm -hmm. 
why would they try to evidence themselves? They know that you're not going to ask for any evidence. And so beings, even spirits, trickster spirits, they can actually pretend to be ET. And they do. They say, yeah, I'm an extraterrestrial from Sirius A. And, this, and the person goes, oh, this is awesome. I've got an ET guide. And the, the, the spirit people are like, this is so much fun. We love this. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Imagine uh, that uh, ability, though, is, is coming to an end a little bit. Are people being a bit more discerning now and able to? Oh, that's uh, why we're here. That's why we're talking. We want yeah. people to evidence, to, be, to discern, yeah. to use common sense. And the more we talk about this, the more people go, yeah, I'm starting to really think about what, you know, what's being said now, and especially what, what's coming through them. Because mm -hmm. a lot of people that are developing mediums, they just seem to, you know, abdicate their responsibility as a person to a being. Whereas you shouldn't do that. You should hold on to your sovereignty as a person. Yeah. And then say, well, if you're who you are, if you are who you say you are, then we were going to we're going to go through an evidential process in regards to that. Yeah. So sovereignty is something that I definitely learned more about in the since well COVID and everything and and how. The media i realized how much the media was in control of my sovereignty or my decision making and that was something that i, I wasn't really aware of for a long while and uh, and that's so important now I, I feel like that's really going to give me sort of an enhancement in my own self my own sovereignty and, and knowledge and seeing and i guess it's important if i ever meet a zeta to see them on the same level would you say to kind of i would suggest that yeah. you be very careful if uh, any being comes to you and says that they're a zeta or any being that you always evidence uh, that so that you uh, you just have to write, ask them to work out how they're going to evidence you and then sit back and wait. Be, be patient in regards mm -hmm. to that. Um, it's okay to do C5 and see beautiful flashing lights up in the sky, all that. That's for you, you know, that can be for anyone, a lot of evidence, you know, that you've done the C5 and just having to correlate with a light. Yeah. But when they start talking to people and getting people to do things, I'd suggest that humans uh, at this point really do need to be aware that there are races out there that don't hold humanity in very high regard at all and would probably not be trusted or shouldn't be trusted. And in, so in regards to that, everyone just needs the evidence and use common sense. Are you familiar at all with Elena Danan? Sorry, the who? Elena Danan? No, not at all. Oh, sure. No, at all. Okay. Someone, uh, someone, I've, uh, there's an, someone I've written a book called Alien Races, and she talks about all the different races. And it's, it's where some of my knowledge has come from. But, I would, you know, if, uh, it's one person. So I would like to hear more from other people. But a lot of it yeah. is, is stuff that I've picked up from elsewhere. So, um, but I imagine there's, well, there's thousands out there. It's not, she talks about 100, 100 races and just gives a brief on each one. It's quite fascinating. I would recommend it for yeah, anyone who imagine, might be, you know, just touching on the I subject. Imagine be, I've had, I've met about 10 races. Um, no, a lot of those beings uh, personally, individually as well. Um, some of them have also evidenced themselves, which is pretty interesting. Uh, for the races that haven't evidenced themselves, I sort of keep them at arm's length, which is a good thing. Because the thing is, is once you've actually got a race that's evidenced themselves, you can just say to that race, well, what do you think of the other race? What's okay. your opinion of the other race? Mm -hmm. uh, but if you think about it, say there's 200 
million, billion, whatever, ga galaxies, if there's the potential for one planet in every galaxy, which takes, say, 100,000 light years to cross for one galaxy, there's probably like 200 million, 200 billion races. So, yeah. you know. And you said there are all these different um, races that you've met, were they all variations of Zeta or were they just all over the place? Oh. They're all over the place. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. Uh, there's the uh, Sirius A beings that we've had and Sirius B. I've met some um, beings that claim to be from a place called Alpha Centauri. Um, other beings, you know, Palladium. I've had a Palladium entity, very, very lovely person. Mm -hmm. We've had dealings with the Anunnaki, which was great, an awesome experience. Mm -hmm. um, just lots of races. It's been, it's been great. I'm glad actually that they convinced me to to to, to work with them. Okay. Because once you work with a race and you've evidence, then you're able to then meet all these other races as well. I, I recognise some of those names. Uh, the one that uh, sticks out maybe is the Anunnaki in terms of our uh, uh, history. Did you get to learn a bit more about uh, the ancient times from the Anunnaki? Yeah, we've um, we've spoken to them a fair bit about their um, history, history, their history and their history on this planet. Mm -hmm. And what what did they say? Because I've heard that they were they were here and and they left and left it to other races. Is that that right? That they they kind of. They, uh... <laughs> I asked them if um, Sitchin had had help or guidance from them. Mm -hmm. in understanding the uh, Sumerian tablets, yeah. Sumerian writings, early writings, King Four and all of that. And they said that they had, and I, and I said, are the translations that we have accurate? And they said they are. They, they represent a, an accurate history of what happened. Yeah, there's a, a lot to dis discover there for a lot of people. It'll be quite quite mind blowing and much much more dense than what we're led to believe in terms of. Uh, if they look up um, the work of Zachariah Sitchin, I'll point them yeah. in the right direction. And is uh, Hamlet's Mill is that of the book? Oh, is that a set? That's a separate book. I think. Uh, oh, he's yeah. he, he published many books. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, on on the healing side of things, why, why do you think? Um, some people are healed and not others. So races generally heal their own. That's the first thing. If you're on a, if you're uh, from another race and you incarnate as a human, then there's potential generally uh, during contact that you're going to uh, have your immune system somehow go haywire. You'll find if you do a bit of research, a lot of contactees have a lot of issues with their immune systems. Uh, so they generally will start healing um, their hybrids or their contactees or whatever, uh, so that they can ultimately help them to do the, you know, the work that they're meant to do. Some people feel that they have specific roles to play. Um, we, we don't particularly feel that at all for ourselves. Some people are on a mission. We're not on any mission. We don't have a mission at all. Uh, and so other people, we, we questioned them about this. Why, why are you healing people? Why are you not healing people? And that's what they said. They said, we heal our own. And then of course, they then healed 
10 people that weren't Zetas. And we thought, well, how does that work? You know, okay. like you just said that you don't heal people that are that, you know, not from your race and you've just done that. And they said, yeah, well, we've got free will. If we want to change our mind, we're allowed to. Okay. We won't argue with that. And we won't okay. argue. We let if, you know what? If they landed in craft and they healed every person on the planet, I'd say, that's awesome. Thank you so much. Yeah. So if anyone's listening right now and, and they want to be healed, what, what do you think they can, they can do to, to initiate that? Is there anything? I think that a person, if they want to be healed, like any other human can uh, speak to source consciousness, speak to the universe, speak to beings, and can ask for healing. Now, um, some people aren't healed, and there's various reasons for that, uh, that, and that's a very big conversation as to why some people aren't healed. Uh, other people are healed straight away. You, you always hear of all these dramatic healings and people ask, pray to Jesus or, or whatever, and they, they got a healing. Um, healing's a very, very difficult conversation because there's so many nuances to it. Yeah. Are, are there any sort of patterns or time limits that dictate when the Zetas might intervene at all? Please, please repeat that question. Would they, uh, is there any patterns or time limits that dictate when the Zetas might intervene, as in when they would heal and when they wouldn't heal? The sort of, you, you can do this now, but not at some point? Or... Oh, I see what you're saying, yeah. Um, that's a really good question. All right, so uh, it would depend on the current state of the person's health. It would also depend on uh, the cognitive ability of the hybrid to be in contact with the race as well. It would depend on whether a hybrid came across somebody like myself who was like, had contact with the Zetas. And, you know, we do get a lot of requests for lots of different things from people. Can, you know, can the Zetas heal me? Can the Zetas talk to me? Can the Zetas tell me where I'm from before I became a human? We, we get all this, you know, questions all the time. Uh, and so these are areas that we work in because <clears throat> it's not just black and white as to what's going on with, with humanity. That's the difference. Uh, and a lot of things are quite complicated. Some people just aren't ready for contact and not, some people just aren't ready for healing either. Mm -hmm. and, and could the, um, the issues that people are suffering has some sort of karmic element to it that has to be fulfilled? Or do you think all, all issues that people suffer shouldn't be necessary at all? Not, it's not the <clears throat> karmic aspect to it. You know, I'm sort of in two minds about this. That um, Sometimes I think to myself that there is no such thing as karmic debt, that people just wield it like a sword to, to try to punish others. That's the first thing. And then another time I'll see um, a guide come through from a previous generation, another, you know, like three generations previous, that's still working with that generational line. And I think to myself, there is the obvious linkage in uh, spiritual consciousness to guides. So that's what I, I'm in two minds about that. I think that's um, a, a very interesting subject though. Well, <clears throat> I'm yeah. not, um, I don't think karma exists. 
And the reason I don't think karma exists is it presupposes that there is a, an event that has happened in the past that you need to pay for. And I don't recognize a past, present, and the future. So there can no, not be any past uh, circumstances that creates a situation where I have to pay a penance or pay a remittance or a reparation for, because there's no past. The second part of it is the, the fact that I don't see the value in that, uh, in having a, a karmic instance that you feel like uh, is a response to some misgiving or adulteration of, of some prior event. If that's the case, we'd spend all our lives doing karmic instances because we spend all our lives screwing yeah. up. Yeah. So I, I don't have that. I, mean, I don't have minds hmm? about Walt because on one moment I actually am, am thinking the way you are, and then I'll suddenly come across some situation that I'm not going to disclose publicly and uh, with somebody, and then I'll realize that it actually it's not karmic, it's just generational. I think right. we need to pull that word karma and throw it away. Yeah. And we need to go, okay. If this is a generational problem, that's the difference. Yeah. Yeah. And generational, like in generationally being abducted and having contact, is the same thing. That's why I, I just I discard the word karma altogether and just it's just not part of a vocabulary that's meaningful okay. to me. Right. We'll, we'll agree to agree. <laughs> <laughs> it's interesting. Well, thank you, Paul. Appreciate that. That's okay. No, no, we're all agreeing, you see. Yeah, no, we're in we're in agreement. It's just how we get to this. Yeah, how we get to the same point. <laughs> do you see that um, instead of karma, do you see it as addressing some sort of balance between the dark and light? This, I feel the universe is this kind of, this delicate balance that has to be played out. Know, or is that a dualistic yeah. thought? <laughs> Thank you that you just said those words. You see, this is the thing with human, human thinking and consciousness, it's either one or the other. But I'll give an example of the Zetas. When the Zetas talk about time, have you ever seen a plasma ball? They have those little tendrils that light up. Oh, okay. Have you seen them? Yeah. That's how they perceive time, that you are at the okay. centre of all these, these undulating little timeline and threads that come out. And so they see it from an expansive state of mind. When you ask the Zetas about good or bad, black or white, they're like, that doesn't exist. That's just dualistic thinking. Try and think outside of that thinking a multi-dimensional aspect mm -hmm. i had this um i'm gonna i'm gonna call it a, a download thought which i'm gonna run by you and it, it might sound crazy you might throw it in throw it out but it was that uh people talk of god and satan dark and evil but i was i kind of uh, uh, this thought i had was that satan and god are the, are the same thing they're both expressions of love except god is the fullest expression of love for others and satan is the fullest expression of love for oneself at the expense of others it's kind of they're both expressions of love but at the end of the day it's who do you want to serve others or serve yourself in, in a way and it kind of try i was trying to maybe bring a unity aspect of um, of the universe and try and move some of that dualism <laughs> does that sound does that resonate <laughs> well no it's a very good download to have but you have to understand something Let's take away all matter from the universe. No capacity for anything to exist physically. Let's just take mm -hmm. it all away. What have we got left? We've got left consciousness. 
consciousness that has no capacity then to understand itself because it's either got to create illusion, illusory processes where it can interact with itself and deny that it exists so that it can have the experience, or it has to create matter, a universe, and then extend itself into that matter in all forms via a process called quanta, and then understand its own experience by itself from it, that experience is externalized. And once we understand that, we understand that one, nothing really exists. It's, it's basically the matrix, it's the illusion, not even the matrix exists. You know, uh, The other thing is, is that without, without the opposites, and you, you know, you said before dualistic behavior, but without infinite opposites, not just two, good or bad, but infinite opposites, consciousness, source consciousness cannot learn about what it needs to extend itself to understand. Yeah. I think that reminds me of, um, I think it's Robert Spira that talks about how consciousness, to know what it is, it had to individualize itself. And to be able to see itself from different perspectives, to be able to know what it is, in the same yeah, way that you, yeah. five years old. Say again, sorry. Yeah. I, I knew that when I was five years old. <laughs> that's that's crazy. <laughs> well, and what Spiro's hitting on is yeah. is what you hear is a reoccurring, somewhat new age philosophy, and and that is that there is the one uh, as a being that did not know itself and was the only existing being in, in all of the universe, all the metaverses. And it wanted to know itself in order to do that, he had to create a reflection. And the right reflection is what is called all that is. And so you have the one and all that is, is a reflection of the one and we are reflections of all that is. So that it moves down through the human chain in such a way that we are all one participating in the consciousness. But Paul, yeah, I thought you made a really good point about the, the, the infinite ends, the not just this end and that end, but the infinity of the ends of that. And behind you, you have a, uh, a triangle and it has a, a base oh, yeah, and, a, and a point. <laughs> and that always, Lovely. those triangles always remind me of the, of the infinite ends at the bottom and the balance point at the top. That you can see both of those things and learn through comparison between yeah. the infinite ends of what is called right and wrong, good or bad, or whatever you want to see it as, this or that. And be able to see both of those and then make a choice as to what your preference is. So it's kind of funny that you would have that, uh, that uh, oh, symbolism yeah. behind you. The difference is, is that I actually met the being that called itself source consciousness. Okay. Okay. <laughs> And they uh, call themselves the Honorians. And you can't get any close to them at all. This is the thing. The second that you try to move close to this source conscious entity, you fail yourself. Your own consciousness fails because in moving close to source consciousness, it recognizes itself and you must no longer exist. Okay, I think I'm going to... Um... Listen to that again and again and again, and maybe I'll get it. That's that's mind boggling, definitely. Just roll it around in your mouth a little bit, it'll yeah. sink in. Can you repeat that? Yeah, I definitely can if you want. Do you want me to tell you the story? 
yeah, if you can expand on it, yeah, it might help. So I was uh, with um, the Zetas and there's a specific multi-dimensional gateway that we go through that uh, is used to move to other races. And the Zetas, I was saying to them one, way, one day, do you know who God is? And they said, yeah, we'll show you. And they, we ended up standing in the middle of the universe or wherever the middle is, there is no middle. And we could see this bright glow on the edge of the horizon. And they said, we think that that is source consciousness. And I said, okay, no problem. So me being the adventurous soul that I am, I've decided that I was going to go to uh, meet this entity one day, didn't say when. One day I was in deep trance with another medium. So we were both sitting across from each other and we both linked into this race that called themselves the Honorians. The Honorians started speaking to each other and talking about how they extensualized themselves so that they don't realize from a, from a perspective that it's them talking to each other. We then did a sitting a week later with a whole group of people and the Honorians came through and they said to the group, we're going to bring through a child. Don't tell the child that they don't exist. It's me, but I'm going to extend myself. And if we don't tell the child that it doesn't exist, and I don't tell myself that the child is me, we can have a conversation and learn. This child then comes through the other medium and starts speaking like a spirit entity. It's really interesting. And the Honorian is talking to the child spirit as though it doesn't know who that being is. Now, I thought this was incredibly complicated uh, way of learning until I was actually then in that same sitting taken to like a big glass pane. And I could look through the glass pane and I could see a plane of light. And it was just this plane that went continually forever and it had all aspects to it. And as I was standing there, the Honorians said, would you like to come closer? Now, even when they said those words, I saw the whole pane of glass crack. I felt myself move forward and then I was about to become gone, just gone. And I said, no, I don't want to come closer. I do not want to meet you. And I stepped back. And as I stepped back, I was back in body again and out of trance. And I realized that to move to source consciousness means that they recognize themselves in you and you can no longer exist as a singular consciousness or entity. Okay. <laughs> that's, uh, that's a story that's uh, it's next level compared to uh, seeing a craft <laughs> in terms of uh, experience. Oh, I don't know. I like seeing craft. We get so <laughs> yeah. excited especially when they start to lower themselves down and they tell you that they're coming. Mm -hmm. that, that's, that's a real buzz, if I can use that word. It's yeah. interesting. But it's, it's also mind-blowing. It's hard to really sort of almost find a way to des describe it and relate to it in any way, you know, compared to our, our everyday lives. It's, it's, uh, <laughs> it's, it's, it's crazy. And what, what their lives and what did, do you have any thoughts around what the lives are like for these annoyance? I mean, their day-to-day -day experience. I mean, it's not like what we have a day-to-day -day experiences, but their conscious experience, oh. how vastly different is it? Any well, ideas? They, they have said that they live in a void. They don't even live in the, in the multiverses. 
So for them, the multiverse is like a big TV screen and everything that takes place there is us, it's like you watching TV, you go, that movie is really interesting, but what if you were the actual actor in the movie, but you didn't realise you were? That's the difference. And so for them, the multiverses are the big TV screen where they're learning about themselves. Sounds like the architects in the Matrix. <laughs> well, look, it is, but I think that's actually a limited understanding of Sure, itself. I imagine, yeah. You know, anyway. Yeah. That's, uh, and, and do they, I guess you wouldn't know, but do you think they have a world behind them that they're not aware of, a reality that they're learning to expand yeah. into? Yeah. I think that um, everything is infinite mm -hmm. and, you know, like the infinity. It, it's all one. Everything is one. I'll give you an example. So I was meditating and I decided to go to the edge of the undulating universe. Okay, that's a good place to go if you want to have an experience. You know, people talk about the Big Bang and all these things. So I just went there and I moved towards the edge of what's classed as physical creation within the void. And as I've come to the end, there's this hissing noise. There's like you would with the astral traveling when you're separating from your physical body. Some people get a hissing noise or a popping noise. And you could see as the edge of the universe was moving out, it was creating itself as it moved out further. I decided to go over to have a look. I mean, over the edge, as you do. And as I've gone over the edge, I've come straight back up inside and out myself. Okay. And then I realized that everything is one. Everything is infinite. Everything is cyclic. There is nothing. There's no outer. There's no inner. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's it's hard hard to understand, but yeah, the, the infinite and the zero they're kind of the same thing, and it explains sure the universe. Are. Yeah. Well, it's hard to understand from this from the standpoint that we live in a physical universe that has a, a very physical body, and um, we see things through physical eyes and perceive things through a physical mind, and uh, that's all creates a um, a problem that you would think would be overcome with common sense. And I'd say common sense being the idea that either everything is one or everybody is separate. And we just have too much identification of the oneness of the universe uh, than we have for the separateness of it. But we're, you know, we're stuck behind this kind of glass wall and we're having to look out and say, gosh, you know, I'm myself, but yet I am part of this entire universe. How does that, how do I reconcile my separateness, my individuality, if you want to say it that way, with the wholeness of it? And that's a difficult thing, I believe, to, to grab your hands around. The idea that you can be part of a collective like the Zetas are and part of a human race like we are, and yet still retain your individuality and retain that eternally. That's something I think it's difficult for us to deal with simply from a philosophical standpoint, if not just a practical standpoint as well. Yeah. And I imagine these conversations aren't unique to us. I imagine they're being had amongst the Zetas and and all other races and trying to they're still trying to figure it all out, I imagine, as well. No, the Zetas say nothing exists. <laughs> they, see, for them they say nothing exists. Hmm. We are, are all just um, um, 
coagulated matter that's performing a function based on consciousness. Yeah. Because they understand that, they just get on with it. They don't bother to debate it. Mm -hmm. You know, they don't try to be singular entities. That's why they work as a collective consciousness. Mm -hmm. They're not trying to hold their individuality like humanity is. Humanity is trying to desperately hold on to its individuality. And while they do that, they hold themselves in separation from source. Yeah, which has its level of suffering combined with that. Well, we suffer because we're in separation. Yeah. The, would, you, would you say that's the ego? Or that's, is it? I just that? think it's, I just, I don't, you know, when you talk about the ego, the ego is known by many things. Some people think the ego is the ability just to be rude to somebody, but the ego actually is the, 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 the ego of the super consciousness. It has multiple facets. And the, you need an ego to actually live physically on, in matter on mm -hmm. planet. That's another thing. But of course, that's if you're in service to self, if you're in service to others. As we've seen lately, the planet's all now being in service to others, which is becoming a really good thing. Uh, then of course, you can realize that you can rely on other people. It's not so much about the individual anymore, it's more about the global community. Would you say the Zetas have an ego? Uh, not that I've found, uh, because, Here's another point that we need to understand. With the Zetas, they use containers. So we have a physical body, humans, and humans need to gestate, be born, grow. <clears throat> the consciousness phase of the physical form, the body then passes, and then you return back to your space. But what if you were able to just clone yourself and then just jump from here to the next body? You see, you, your uh, potential for worry would be a lot less because you'd be going, ah, if anything happens to this one, I'll just jump to the next one. Mm -hmm. And that happens a lot, does it? Well, that's, that's exactly what they do. Yeah. Uh, all, all of the race do that. That's why when, when you're on craft or when people are on craft, they see the containers uh, probably either in you know, a special holding area or some containers are around the craft walls because either the, the containers uh, have just been maturated or they are those beings are in stasis because the consciousness that exists in those containers is actually performing another function somewhere else. Those beings that are in the stasis chambers could actually be on other craft or off, off planet or off world. Off their, I'm talking about their own world, not human world. Off world performing other functions. Now, when you talk about containers, do you mean lifeless bodies that's they're waiting to be used or is it animated yeah yeah animated. i'm talking about bodies physical bodies that have no consciousness mm -hmm. it's as if um you're in a coma and your consciousness is gone mm -hmm. and so for them they're able to populate the containers that they create for the genetically created and modified per consciousness right so that you may have i know this sounds a bit is strange, you may have two or three containers that you can populate depending on where you need to go. So if you happen to have a container here on the planet, on Earth, you just leave the container here. And then if you're over 40 light years away, all you do is, is jump your consciousness straight over to the, um, the container on the planet because there's no such thing as speed with thought. Thought 
has no speed or yeah. is limited by any type of speed. But um, are you able to consciously be in two containers at the same time? Yeah, or multiple? absolutely. Three, you can be in three if you want. Three. Is that, is that like a, a universal limit or is that just what you were aware of? <laughs> well, source consciousness is in uh, infinite containers. Well, I guess so, <laughs> in, a, in a way. <laughs> so how, 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 does, um, how do you experience three separate containers? Is it, are you kind of swapping between them all or are you kind of like amalgamating the, the consciousness? I, I don't know, I'm speculating here that... That's <laughs> all right. So spirit realm has what's classed as an oversoul, and the oversoul contains infinite facets. Silver Birch, a great uh, spirit person that came through a medium, will talk about a diamond, and each of the facets or the faces of the diamond were individuated spirit people. If you think about the diamond as being the oversoul, then, of course, you can understand that all those individuated forms are actually one consciousness. It's not hard for the oversoul to have, say, a million or 10 million, whatever the number you want to choose, incarnations or lives. It could be that oversoul could have a million humans currently living in, as spirit people. So, you know, these, these concepts that are real and exist, uh, they actually are used universally by races, by spirits. And it's only... Uh, when we start to say, well, I understand this concept from this perspective, it's because we're using a filtering system to understand something. And that's okay. We're supposed to use filtering systems. That's the way we're designed. It keeps us safe. And, and what's, what's his uh, society like for the Zetas in, in terms of, uh, well, day-to-day -day living? I mean, I'm thinking a bit, just if you wanted to just describe the variants in the UK, you know, between just, you know, Scotland, England and Wales, the language, the culture, or even just, you know, uh, Birmingham versus Manchester or, you know, all the different variations of people, their thoughts, their culture, the food, um, what music they like, all these things. Is it the same in Zeta society that there's that kind of level of variance? Yeah, absolutely. So very good question. Uh, the Zeta, spe uh, the grey species, uh, it's got 63 races. And uh, previously, about 12 months ago, I only really knew two of them, two of the races. And we were really lucky or blessed that uh, we came across another one or another couple of them, and they actually were able to interact with us. And we didn't realise there was such diversity in those races. One specific race is based in ethical decision-making processes and things where they would discuss if they were, look, say, they're in the Milky Way galaxy and there's multiple races there, what is the ethics of first contact? What is the ethics of intervening in a human situation? And the race work in a hive mind process to come to decision-making processes. So for them, their life is different to what we call the biological zeta race. The biological zeta race, we're very much with our chemicals and uh, living organs, living organisms, these sorts of things. And the way that they actually uh, perform functions with other races is working with all of the cellular matter of, of, of a race, biological technologies. Another race is 
based around consciousness and they um, exist in the hive mind and they uh, oversee the 62 races. Although there are 63, they only oversee 62 because the abductor race are the ones that are doing the uh, abductions. They're not part of the collective consciousness of the Zeta race. So yes, there is a lot of difference and I could spend hours talking about all the different races and what they do and how they do it. But how, how do you know all this stuff? Is this from asking them questions or is there some sort of Yeah, well, there? we have a book called The Zeta uh, Interviews and that's about five or 600 pages and they're asked all these questions. But, you know, Cyan and I, we also spend a lot of time off world as well, uh, on craft, on other planets. Um, you don't have to physically travel to a lot of these places at all. You ask other people that are contactees. They've also been off world and uh, they've been on other planets as well. And there's a lot of experience to have. This is why people remote view. This is why people astral. You all know that you have the capacity to travel and journey. Mm -hmm. You were asking me about astral before, Joe. You know that you've got the capacity to do this thing. It's where we hold ourselves in the disbelief. And in that disbelief, we then limit our capacity to travel. Yeah. But, and, and that's different to, to dreaming in terms of uh, what people uh, anticipate. That, that if, if people haven't actually traveled, they may think, oh, that they probably associate it more related to dreams. But there's definitely a key difference. I was, I was talking to Walter about this previously and trying to get, um, try and get an understanding of how you know Right, I'm astral traveling rather I'm dreaming now. What, 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 would, what would your answer to be to well, that? That's why I wrote the uh, study guide. It's just a 50 yeah. page study guide. It teaches people uh, about the basics of consciousness, all the different definitions that are, that are applicable. And then there's practicals on actually how to get out of your body. It's for beginners. And the reason is because I have a lot of people go, I dream and I travel, or I lose dream and I travel. No, that's not astral travel. Astral traveling is when you do a consciousness separation and you actually look at your physical body, you're able to touch your own um, astral hand and it feels physical like that. Mm -hmm. And also then you make cognitive decisions about where you're going to go, which dimension you're going to travel to. Now, I knew when I was a kid, there was 11 dimensions. I was visiting them all. And now scientists have suddenly come up with some mathematical equation, there's 11 dimensions. That's good, they caught up. <laughs> yeah, uh, I remember reading about that in the in string theory and talking about uh, uh, multiple dimensions for uh, all of this stuff. So yeah, uh, it's, it's quite incredible how they got to that conclusion this, at some point. I talk about that idea. The, I talk about that in the study guide. I, I go through the different dimensions, uh, just what they are, how they relate to each other. What is where spirit realm? What dimension is spirit realm? What, what dimension is astral? What what dimension do other interdimensional entities uh, live in as well? Sorry, Walter, you were. Well, this Sorry. idea of catching up is that Paul was, you know, alluding to. That's kind of a fun thing because it's not only earthly science starting to barely catch up with us. It's that the channeled information that is available uh, is now starting to catch up with each other. Mm 
In other words, there is a lot of similarity in the messages coming through the, the, the channelers of information, extraterrestrial channelers, spirit channelers of information. We didn't necessarily see a lot of that 20 years ago. Uh, you saw a lot of discrepancies and you saw a lot of uh, what I call half information. But with Paul's work and with others' work, we're, we're starting to get real definitions of things. We're starting to get uh, ideas and concepts that you can reach for to help explain ordinary circumstances and physical reality. So when he says catching up, he means, I believe, in a number of different areas. He means in science. He means in philosophy. He means in mediumship. Um, and he means in just conversations like this. This is not a conversation, Joe, that you and I would be having if it wasn't for Paul and Cyan. Mm -hmm. And so there is a catching up going on even here in bringing about the uh, different set of ideas, a different way of operating, a different mechanistic to the universe. Mm -hmm. So I find that that catching up thing interesting. Uh, the other point of it is, and this is very briefly, is I'm not certain that that material science is ever going to catch up. I think by the time they catch up, there'll no longer be material science. And what we'll have is just an understanding of how things work and moving along a path of a better understanding, a better functionality of physical reality and the realities that are out there. I'm not sure you're aware of Donald Hoffman at all, who is um, putting out ideas, yeah, in terms of describing the universe as conscious agents and and basically seeing consciousness as primary and matter as secondary. And this is why I heard about that before starting to listen to more on the sort of the channeling side and it all, all came together. Um, but, you know, I, I definitely see the universe as consciousness primary now. And I feel like it just makes more sense and it's, it takes less miracles as, as, uh, as Donald likes to say in terms of you don't need matter first and another miracle to create consciousness. All you need is the one miracle to, for consciousness to exist, and then matter is almost manifest by consciousness. Joe, let's ask one question of, of everybody listening to this. Where were you before you were born? <laughs> and if you understand that that is the question, mm -hmm. that is the question that opens everything else up, because there's either only, it's only either or in this. There's either no source consciousness, and we're all just some big mistake, right? Or there is source consciousness and every single individual that incarnates here, these billions of people somehow magically manage to create their own consciousness, learn, have the capacity to learn, interact, communicate. And it's laughable, honestly, to believe that, it, you know, we sort of crawled up out of some ooze and that magically now we're all able to pass over, come back, you're able to communicate with spirit people. They give really good information as well. They evidence themselves. Mm -hmm. So it's either or. To me, it's just uh, the either because, which is that, you know, uh, source consciousness exists and it it's actually knows what it's doing. Yeah. Uh, th there's um, some interesting debates on how, even just to talk about some of the most simple bacteria, how to how that could have been created through random events with, you know, the basic amino acids or... Or, or various, um, you know, pre uh, the chemicals that were uh, can be around that make up these uh, 
the, these bodies and it's just well, astronomical right there. <laughs> yeah if you've got if you've got a hundred million different species on this planet including insects dolphins whatever imagine all the goo you would need to create all of those in the <laughs> beginning yeah. to all individuate all of those and they've all got some level of consciousness with them but it's not just that the miracle of how do they all pass over and then all come back in and they keep coming back in genetically they seem to hold the same form you know i'm not going to get into the whole debate about humans coming from monkeys and all these sorts of things you know it's more about it's it's just amazing the whole thing mm-hmm. I, I find it all really just super interesting no, no for sure and going back in terms of the variants and zeta worlds do you know if they've got the same level of variance in terms of biodiversity and uh, plant life and animal life <laughs> yeah yeah of course um yeah you know interestingly um the zetas were telling us that in the very inception of, of their race they actually came from plants it mm-hmm. had nothing to do with humans a lot of humans believe that the greys and the zetas all somehow us in the future they've got nothing to do with humans humans have got nothing to do with the greys they're not in any way related to them the zetas have talked about their plant life interestingly in one contact situation i had i was on craft and i got to speak to one of these plant beings and it was honestly like speaking to god it mm-hmm. was just incredible yeah I, I imagine that existence might be quite uh, quite amazing I mean, I, I, we may even get to touch on it when we have plant medicine, right? Get to experience, to a certain extent, their conscious experience. Is there any relation there? With the... Yeah, I, like, are you talking about the, uh, the network, the mycelium network? or? I was thinking more kind of, well, ayahuasca and stuff, when people take that, are they are they getting to experience life or yeah, having that conscious that experience? Psychotropic stuff, yeah? Yeah, I'm just... Yeah, I mean, why not? <laughs> that's why I, that's why I mentioned the mycelial network because for yeah. a lot of people actually they say that they've entered into that network using uh, ayahuasca psychotropic uh, stuff. Okay, and in terms of um, what zetas uh, do to eat and grow their own food, is that um, is that quite similar at all to how we experience? So um, generally. Uh, I'm not sure if on what's on this planet, but there are beings that or entities that probably don't need to actually digest. They can actually um, assimilate. They can assimilate assimilate cellular matter through their skin. The mm-hmm. zebras are the same. They are able to uh, create a liquid, and the liquid is uh, rubbed onto their skin. And of course, uh, the only way that they can expel that is either through energetic work or via their breath work. And so, a lot of people say when they go near in contact situations next to a grey, that they can smell something that's off. That's because that's how their body expels. Whereas humans obviously have to go to the uh, WC, the water (laughs) closet. Is that the nice way to say it? Yeah, or the loo. Uh, Or the loo, they have to go to the loo. Um, So yeah, like every race has to somehow expel what they've taken in that creates energy and then the waste product of that as well. Okay. So they do grow their own uh, plant life, but they do not destroy the plant. They only take off the plant, the specific plant life, okay. what the plant gives, what will give. 
So you'd have another race that specifically performed that function as well. Mm -hmm. I, I imagine that they aren't, they don't have farms and chickens and, and sheep like we do at all, but are there any um, races out there that have anything equivalent to a farm or I imagine it's quite rare to eat meat? Oh, look, I, I don't know. And I, you know, I don't believe anybody would probably have it. Nobody's got, firstly, nobody has all the answers. We've only no, sure. One piece of the puzzle. But I'll tell you what does exist. They've actually taken genetic material from every single animal on planet here and every insect and they've recreated it somewhere else. Okay. <laughs> okay. As well, a John, if, you can, if you can imagine uh, a race with a being, non-human race of beings with animals and farms and, and all of that, the very fact that you can imagine it means that it exists because you mm -hmm. can't imagine something that doesn't exist. So you've got your answer is within your question. Okay. <laughs> I imagine that the universe is full of everything and everything between. So it's it's more than more than possible. But I, I do also think that the idea of eating meat is a low frequency aspect Absolutely. of reality. And so this is the thing is that when a, a race comes and views this planet, they see what we do. I, I don't eat meat, neither does Cyan either. Uh, and they go, well, look at that. All those cattle are going into some place and they're coming out in cellophane packages. You know, what's going on here? Oh, look at that. Those beings on that planet are actually eating them. What, what's, what's that all about? Those mm -hmm. beings that they're eating are made of consciousness. Why are they doing that? You know, they don't, they don't see animals as animals. They see them as their distinct own separate races. Individuated so race. So they see one mm. race, the human race, eating. eating multiple other races. Yeah. That's the way they, that's the way an extraterrestrial views it. That's yeah. why I couldn't eat meat. I tried. Uh, have you always been vegetarian or? No, yeah. not for about. You... I've, been, I've been vegetarian for. Before she was born, she was a vegetarian, <laughs> and uh, that's how hardcore. And uh, me, probably about twenty-five years. That's interesting. And uh, in terms of um, life, again, it, do you know if uh, children um, of the Zetas do they have school? Do they have lessons and things? Yeah, absolutely. I was uh, taken to one of their. Uh, lessons the zetas only sleep once a week so a, a lesson can last three days right so, okay but, but the, the difference is is what they teach well, so when you say three days in their life or three of our days three of our days okay yes yeah, so, you know probably be, i don't know maybe just a couple of hours but three, three days because everything's much slower here um the thing is is when i went to the class there was like thousands of little zetas everywhere on these sort of an auditorium and um, they had this multi-dimensional gateway set up. And they asked me to come down uh, and I was standing there and they're talking about me going through that gateway. I'm looking at it going, I'm not going through that. <laughs> I'm just not going through that. <laughs> and they're teaching the children how the gateways work. And then I just refused. And because I said I didn't want to walk through it, uh, they said, well, go and sit back down. Right? So what they did was they got one of the other Zetas to come and step through the gateway and step back. 
Um, it was, and it was the most amazing thing that I've seen. This technology, it was like streams of different light as the photons came down and you stepped through it, you actually stepped into another reality. Okay. Yeah. Uh, another reality is another dimension, another multiverse? Another dimension, this physical reality. It depends on where you... Um, I'll give you an example of this. And people, some people out there are going to know that I'm telling the truth. This is the thing. A lot of people will sense that they're being observed and watched in their own mm -hmm. Now, there's technology that they have on planet, and it's a very, very long, long facility, and it's got all these big uh, oval-type domes in there. And you can lean over and look into them. When you look into them, you can see into houses, you can see into buildings, you can see into anywhere. All you've got to do is change what they class as you, class as an address, like a geophysical address, and you can see into what's taking place there. Now, anyone that has looked up and seen these portals in their homes, these spinning portals, will know that they're being viewed. So there'll be a lot of people that are listening to this going, yep, seen them. Doesn't, doesn't um, give much in, in the way of privacy then in lives of these. <laughs> <laughs> That's like saying, do spirit people watch you when you're you know, in your home? Yeah. yeah, they do. No, privacy? What's privacy? <laughs> yeah, really. It's uh, something might, some people might be listening to that and thinking, oh, goodness me, you know, <laughs> when I'm out and about and just doing everyday things, people are watching me. So it's quite odd. Yeah, basically, probably, I won't mention it, I'll foil, but anyway. <laughs> <laughs> and you mentioned about um, sleeping. Do they, do they sleep? like us in terms of uh, you said that it was slightly different but is it the same do they have like do they go to a bed do they lie down or i think i've no. heard actually that they have ability like dolphins to half sleep is that right yeah, yeah so so what they do is they've got technology that cuts out like an egg shape into the catacomb so on one planet underneath the ground they've got catacombs and they have these egg shaped processes that are as big like maybe four meters five meters long maybe three or four metres wide. But each one is cut into the specific substrate, substrate at the same frequency of the being that lives in it. You would go to the ocean to ground, possibly, or go hug a tree. Like me, I would do that as well. They would just step into their alcove, and that alcove is designed to be the frequency that they should be. So if anything's happened to them, and they're out of frequency, they can just step into that. Once they step into it, they lay onto a specific surface and they're able to just shut off one side of their brain because they're in the frequency that is regrounding them, realigning them. They've only got to stay there for maybe an hour, flip over to the other side for another hour. That's it for seven days. Okay, and they're recharged and ready to go again. Um. Maybe we could talk a little bit more about the hybridization side of things. Uh, and just to start, what, what is a hybrid? Okay, so a hybrid is a um, under agreement with mum and dad, a human mum and dad, the higher self has been spoken to by a race and said, we would like to incarnate 
through your child onto planet and uh, support the human race via consciousness. Spirit people first are required to enliven the physical form. Once the cells start to combine and create the physical form of the child, the spirit people are already inhabiting that, that creation. That is that. So, of course, we know that once spirit people leave, the physical body dies and, and degrades. So spirit people are required. Their free will is required as well to allow the hybrid process to take place. Extraterrestrials come in and they bind consciously with the spirit person and they create a symbiotic relationship with the cop consciousness. They then um, are born and they create hybrid humans. And this is about 30% of the planet with multiple races that have done that. Some people have said that uh, the greys are trying to hybridise the planet by taking copies of humans, creating copies, all this. That's not happening at all. There's a reason that that's not happening is because they have to have spirit people's permission to do that. Now, they may be able to somehow misguide uh, the human into believing that they're uh, having the best interest at heart of the, the child, but the spirit person's more savvy and they're not going to allow any consciousness to bind them that they can see does not have the highest possible interest of human consciousness. Uh, so this is why the whole theory of, you know, humans being cloned, humans being changed, humans doing this, this and that, and the hybridization of the human race actually isn't possible. And uh, you mentioned about cloning. What about walk-ins? Is that another thing that uh, about, exists? About what's, what's a walk-in? Is that a hybridization thing? Yeah. yeah. So um, some, people, some people choose their point of exit. But in doing so, they can also choose to allow a different spirit person to come and exist. So... Spirit people don't actually have to come through the birthing process. They can come through anytime. And the reason we know that is because trance mediums are able to allow spirits to come and speak through them. Okay. Uh, and trance mediumship and deep uh, trance mediumship and physical mediumship have been around for many, many years. Now, Leslie Flint, Helen Duncan, John Campbell Sloan, Didi Home, uh, Yoon, I think his last name is. These people with deep transmedium spirits have always been able to come and inhabit the human form uh, when they require. If a person makes a decision to step out and another one steps in, that's classed as a walk-in. Okay. Um, in terms of hybridization, I guess you said, are we all hybrids then? And But some are more hybridized than others. Is that a way of looking that, at it? That's very good. That's very good. Uh, imagine we're, we're all from source consciousness. Guess what? We're all extraterrestrials. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Are, are we what? kind of? I've heard we're genetic yeah. royalty in a way that we are. We've got so much variation in us and seeding from various things. Where yeah, so you need. It may be that if this is if this glass of water is consciousness, uh, you know, if I put one drop of blue ink into the water and then turn around, you can barely see that there's anything in it. But it still is not the same as it was when it started. 
What about if I put in three or four drops or 10 drops? Of course, then the, the, the color of the water starts to shift. Mm. You can think of consciousness and hybrid minds in the same manner as that. Mm. That not everybody has the same level of consciousness. Other people are more conscious than other people. It doesn't mean you're any better or anything like that. Nobody's special. Mm -hmm. It's just that we're different. And we are all different anyway, aren't we? Because we're individuals. Yeah. And I imagine the people that may have a different state of consciousness from their hybridization or maybe have more telepathy, precognition, these sort of things. Yeah, it depends what symbols you have with you. So your symbols that were brought with you when you um, incarnate and the symbols are the ones that uh, are based around the types of abilities you have. A lot of people that have um, a different level of knowledge understand that geometric shapes are brought with you and the geometric shapes aren't just human geometric shapes. They're based in um, multi-dimensional uh, type functionality. And the uh, geometric shapes are interlocked to create certain functions within you to perform. Maybe that you have a function or a, uh, a symbol that allows you to remote view. Another person may be really good at astral traveling. Another person may be really good at allowing healing. Another person might be good at extraterrestrial contact. This is because we bring with us all of the functions and all of the tools that are required when we incarnate to actually perform the functions that are required. I don't quite understand what do you mean by geometric shapes and yeah. how that helps. Yeah. So on craft, if you look at some of the technology that's used to interact with the craft, they'll have these types of multidimensional shapes. And if they want to perform one function, they'll activate that shape. If they want to then perform another function, they may either combine shapes or use a different multi-dimensional shape. Humans that incarnate as hybrids bring all of their, well, classed as your uh, geometric shapes with you, all of your symbols with you. Some people are given downloads of symbols once they have incarnated as well. And so once they have those symbols, they're able to work through them. And as they open each symbol up, it's like peeling back the layers of an onion as they keep working down towards the core, towards their consciousness, they're able to activate more and more abilities within themselves. Uh, so of course, spirit people know this and they do the same thing. So some people may have certain abilities to be mediumistic. Other people don't have it because they don't have the geometry within their consciousness to, to perform that function. I've got a picture that I can show you uh, and your listeners, if you want, uh, not I'll have to upload it after. That shows geometric shapes around me that the Zetas have put there to create contact. Okay. Well, it's mathematics is the language of the universe, and mm -hmm. and in this case, trigonometry is the two D representation of that the mathematics uh, that comes with the geometric functionality, and that all sounds real good. Um, but for me, being neither a mathematics wizard nor a philosophical major, um, all I can really do with that is look at the, the different types of approaches to um, trigonometric functionality in, um, in paranormal events. And I would still walk away with just kind of a feel-good feeling. Like I'm onto something, I don't know exactly what it is, 
I'm not so certain of that if you aren't a mathematics major, trigonometric mathematics major, you could really understand how geometric functions are the are core concepts that uh, make up our physical reality, as well as our core concepts in the way things work. So it's much not much different from an algebraic function, except you're using symbols instead of letter symbols, using, using geometric symbols. Uh, they stand for certain instances, certain events to happen. And as Paul was saying, being able to overlap those things somehow creates different instances of physical reality as well as different instances of the uh, dream state. But I have to jump off right now. I've enjoyed this gentleman. Thank you very much. I've got an eight o'clock that I need to jump to. So I'm going to no hit problem. the leave button, leave you guys to finish up. Well, and, uh, actually, Paul, I want to, mm -hmm. yeah. I wanted to say actually that um, I was thinking this was a, probably a good point to 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 to, uh, to end and actually because I've got I've got other questions I feel that there's, if there's an opportunity to maybe to speak again, then we'll okay. do that. Yeah, we'll do it that I'd love way. to. I, I but I don't like, want to leave yeah. you guys. I don't want to leave you guys alone without anything to to talk about. But I'm going to do it anyway. No, I, I think <laughs> I think we're coming up to a, a good point to okay. uh, to to uh, to 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 say thank you and. Um, it's been a, an amazing talk. I'm going to ha have a good think about some of these points, re-watch re it, and hopefully come back with some more questions because um, I think I feel like I've only just started to try try and get my head around some of these things. So it's been amazing, and uh, and thank you, uh, thank you, Walter, for for coming on and giving giving your assessment of all these things. It's been really useful, and uh, hopefully I'll, I'll be seeing you again soon as well. Sure. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Paul Sianna will be talking soon, I'm sure. Okay. Okay. Thank you, Paul and Sian. I'm going to uh, uh, say. Uh, I yeah. Need to go to sleep. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, it is quite late here, but um, yeah, as as I said before, hopefully we can uh, chat again. I feel like there's so much more to talk on on this, and it went into so many areas that I didn't expect to. So. That's fantastic. Uh, we, we, we try to give clear information, but there's subjects we could talk about for hours, if not days. Yeah. Uh, we do, we're finding this in all the interviews. We keep having, we have to skip over everything because I could talk all day about the Zeta race, their social structures, how things work, what technology they've got. Um, yeah. And uh, just, to, just to end, how can people find out more about you, reach you or... Um, yeah, <laughs> get more information for themselves. Uh, they can go to v-zeta-connection.com uh, and on there's our blog. We've got a shop on there where I've got study guides. I've written a book called The Zeta Mind and that book uh, talks about how people can contact extraterrestrial races okay. as well. There's a list, of, a list of things there. And of course, we've got our YouTube channel which has, you know, this sort of information that we yeah. discuss. All right. Well, thanks again, and hopefully, I'll speak again soon. Yeah. Mm -hmm.